Wow, God is so good, amen. Yeah, Father, we thank you that you've called us. You've called us, you've set us in this generation on purpose. That you've ordained for us to reign with Jesus. We bless you today. We bless you today for the high calling. We bless you for the anointing. We bless you for the appointment that we have with destiny. We bless you that you trust that we are sufficient for this generation, sufficient for the spirit of this day, the working of the enemy. We're sufficient. We're more than enough. We're anointed with power from on high. We thank you for that anointing. We thank you for that anointing, that, that power that is more than enough. We give you the praise. We give you the praise. We receive from you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Yeah, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for being a part of the church. I want to talk to you about Jezebel today and about witchcraft today. And I want to read, just starting out of Revelation 2, we're going to go there. I want to remind you every generation has faced a battle. When we think about Jezebel, we think about an animated person, but yet a spirit, an entity, an influence that has risen up in generation after generation. One that the enemy has used to pervert, to twist, to distort the Word of God, the laws of God, the principles of God. One that the enemy has used to persuade, seduce, to draw people away from the truth in every generation. And now, here we are, we're standing on the stage of our generation, and we're in a place, we're in a position where God is looking to us to be the influence, to be the strength, to be the anointing, to be the word, to be the influencers that will shift this generation, that will shift the weight of influence in this generation toward God, toward righteousness, that will stabilize not only this culture, but literally the cultures of the globe. God is using the church to stabilize the cultures of the globe. So we're in a war. We're in a war. Jezebel is this figure that, that identifies one of the ways the enemy works. It's not the only way the enemy works, but when we examine the life of Jezebel, when we examine the manifestation of Jezebel and her reoccurrence in generations past and in culture, we see, oh, this is one of the ways Satan works. So we want to see it. We want to identify it. We want to recognize it. We want to be strong. We want to be strengthened to know what it is we're to stand against. What is it we're to stand against? What is it we are to resist? How is it we are to posture ourselves in the Lord, in the Word, in the anointing, so that we become those in this generation, the salt and the light 
in this generation, the standard that God would use in this generation to push back darkness. In Revelation 2, we see Thyatira had a Jezebel-like one in their midst. So this reaches all the way back to 1 Kings 16 in the first reference to Jezebel. But Jezebel, or that spirit, or that entity, or that way of manifesting with idolatry, with immorality, goes way back. But we find her named in 1 Kings 16. She is the daughter of Ethbaal, and Ahab marries her for political gain and political alliance. There's a, there's, a, there's a seduction that we would knit ourselves to this entity, this spirit, this mindset, this philosophy, this reasoning, this influence for our own gain, for our own gain. And so Ahab brings her into Israel, God's territory, God's people, God's country, brings her in and not only makes her wife but submits to her and promotes her and cooperates with her to set up idolatry in Israel. So altars to Baal and altars to Asherah are set up in Israel. And the people are instructed to worship. And we find, we find this is the beginning of her, by namesake, being called out and recognized. But it's yet, it's one of those influences that the enemy uses. And there's so many things about this particular influence of the demonic realm in culture that we can identify with Jezebel. This is why God wants us to see not only more, more moralize, more signified, seen, understood in the person of Jezebel, because when we see that, we understand, again, how to resist, what to resist. Revelation 2, verse 20. I'm just going to read a portion. We're just going to read several verses here today uh, to get a feel for the way she operates. And again, we're not just getting the feel for a person. We're getting a feel for what Father has said, that in this person are hidden mysteries of how the demonic realm works. Revelation 2.20. Nevertheless, I have this against you. He's talking to the church in Thyatira. You tolerate that woman Jezebel. Now, we brought attention to that recently, that word tolerate, because this is really important because we too have been tolerating some things we shouldn't be tolerated, things that have been utterances, teachings, influences, reasoning, imaginations spewing out of the mouth of Jezebel, literally spewing out of the demonic realm, we have tolerated some of it ourselves. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet by her teaching, so she has teaching, she has a teaching, she has speech, she has things she says, she has her own fake news department, she has her own media department, she has her own holy weird department, she has her own expression department. By her teachings, she seduces. By her teachings, she misleads servants, my servants, into committing 
sexual immorality. Actually, the word in the Greek is prostitution. It's, it's, it's sexual immorality. It's sexual in nature, but it's also knit to idolatry. It's knit to that which is unclean. And then the eating of the food to sacrifice to idols. I want you to see something, too. I want you to see that this spirit, this influence is bigger than what was being experienced and written about to the church at Thyatira. This spirit wants to dominate culture. This ministry of the demonic realm wants to dominate culture. The prophetic realm of this spirit is greater outside the church, of course, it's greater in culture than it is in the church because often we don't have an ear to hear the false prophetic word. But nonetheless, it's out there. It's pervasive. It's powerful. It's seductive. It's ministering. It's releasing thought. It's releasing teachings. It's releasing influence. And it has a way of also influencing those of us that are in the church. So it's in the world, but it's also pushing, pressing to get into the church. Many churches have been seduced by this spirit. Many churches have been influenced by this spirit. Many churches have been harmed by this spirit. He writes to Thyatira. He's warning them, don't tolerate the influence of this spirit. This spirit is not one to be tolerated. Now, one thing that we would think about is it's, you know, why do we tolerate things? Sometimes we tolerate things because it's convenient. Sometimes we've been seduced to tolerate. Sometimes we're afraid we don't tolerate what will happen. As we read through more and we understand more about Jezebel, we begin to understand maybe why they were tolerating that spirit. And when we think about servants, of course, he's writing to Thyatira. But when we think about servants, we have to think about this, that actually God in, re, in, in un, his, his understanding uh, or releasing understanding to us about Jezebel, it's more than about the servants. He's concerned about all of culture. He's concerned about all people. He's concerned about every nation. He's concerned about every people. So this is interesting, too, is that when we think about those who are misled or seduced by Jezebel, they aren't just the servants of God. In Thyatira, they were the servants of God. But in culture, they're the people that he loves. The people that he loves. The people that he loves. He's not happy that your next-door neighbor is being seduced by Jezebel. He's not happy that cities are being seduced by Jezebel. He's not happy that there are jurisdictions, locations, as well as individual families that are being seduced by Jezebel. He wants that broken. He wants that addressed. He wants that confronted. He's sad that so many in culture, so many even with a history of truth, are tolerating Jezebel. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 9. I want you to see that Jezebel is attributed to witchcraft. Witchcraft has been on the rise in America, in the United States of America. Witchcraft has been growing at an unprecedented rate. It's one of the top searches on Google. It's the, the, the books, the Harry Potter books, 500 million copies sold. Everywhere you look, there's an influence towards sorcery and toward witchcraft. 
toward those things that are just the dabbling slightly in the unclean realm. Attracting us, seducting, seducing, uh, drawing us into the unclean realm. I want you to see that Jezebel is interrelated to witchcraft. This is when Jehu, who was anointed of Elisha, who was anointed of Elijah, is on his way to confront Jezebel. Verse 22 of 2 Kings 9. Let's just focus on verse 22 because I just want you to see this connection. When Joram saw Jehu, he asked, have you come in peace, Jehu? And he says, how can there be peace as long as the idolatry and witchcraft of your mother Jezebel abound? That's interesting too. That that right there, if we're to walk in the anointing of Elijah, which we are, if we're to walk in the anointing of Jehu, which we are, if we are called and appointed in our generation to bring down Jezebel, confront Jezebel, not tolerate Jezebel, not have coffee with Jezebel, not have discussions with Jezebel, not be kind to Jezebel, not make room for Jezebel, make place for Jezebel, but to be confronting Jezebel, it's interesting, it's interesting that as long as she is strong, as long as she's prospering, as long as she's pushing, as long as her mouth is blabbing her fake news, as long as she is spreading her false prophecy, how can there be peace? How can there be peace? If you feel a little vexed in your soul right now, that's probably the Holy Spirit saying, this is actually not a call to peace. This is a call to war. The Holy Spirit is actually trying to provoke you a little bit because he doesn't want any more lay-me-down-to-sleep prayers. He doesn't want you tuning out and just, and just looking for your chase lounge and your iced tea. He literally is calling you to war right now. And if you're feeling a little vexed within, it's the Spirit of God calling you to rise up that... He wants a woke church. He wants a woke church. He wants an awakened church. He wants an at-war church. He wants a quickened church. How can there be any peace as long as the idolatry and the witchcraft of your mother abound? Now, what's that saying? That's saying that there's things going on. There's, there's things going on in the spirit realm. There's cooperation in the spirit realm with some of what we're hearing. The philosophies, the mindset, the, prince, the principles, the teachings, the utterances that we're hearing in culture that might want to make their way into your little world and squish themselves into your family, your church, there might be, and there is, this is what he's trying to say, there is spiritual power involved. That's why the weapons of our warfare must be employed. That's why we have to be people of prayer. That's why we, we, we are being called to arms. We are being called to prayer. We being, we're being called to the prophetic word of dethroning the spirit. We have an anointing. We have an anointing against this, and we are the only hope on the globe. The church is the only hope on the globe against this spirit that is seeking to pervert the entire world. Let's look a little bit at some of her attributes. 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19, verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything had Elijah had done. 
and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. You remember the showdown in 1 Kings 18? We had a big showdown with the prophets of Baal. These were prophets that were raised up at Jezebel's table. She raised them up. She said to Ahab, we're going to kill all the prophets of God. This is what... This is what the ministry of Jezebel wants to do is silence truth, shut up truth, confront truth, kill the prophets of God, nominalize, minimize, squish the prophets of God. In other words, those that tell the truth must be shut up. We're going to kill them. We're going to do away with them. So Elijah has a showdown. You remember the showdown? And after the showdown, and, and Jezebel wasn't there at the showdown. She missed the show. But Ahab, like a little boy, runs back to tell mom. Hello, somebody. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. And Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. A spirit of fear was attached to her threat, attached to her words. This is part of how the enemy works. This is part of how Jezebel works, is to afflict with fear those who stand up for truth, those who stand for the right, those who have the word of the Lord in their heart, in their mouth, those who have a lifestyle of godliness. This is part of how Jezebel works is to threaten them, to threaten them. And you see, she didn't say, could we, you know, uh, uh, honey love, honey love, Ahab, come here, hug me. Could you just send a message back? Oh, honey, you're such a good husband. Could you just send a message back to, uh, to Elijah saying, let's meet at Starbucks and Fife? And let's just talk about this. Jezebel doesn't want to talk. Jezebel wants to take out. Jezebel wants to threaten. Jezebel wants to confront. Jezebel wants to intimidate. This is the spirit that's up against culture, that's up against us, that we're up against. And God's calling us to rise up because we have victory. We have victory we have the sword of the Lord. We, we have the potential of victory should we rise up. But this, this, is part, this is part of what she operates in, 1 Kings 18. Now, while Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, what was she doing? Killing off. While Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, she didn't meet with the Lord's prophets all of, the, all of the prophets that were there that she inherited when she became the wife of Ahab in Israel, she didn't meet with them and say, hey, look, guys, can we just compromise a little bit? Can we just work, a, can we just work some stuff here? Can we be careful here? Listen, 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 listen. Let's meet up over at Denny's. I'll buy breakfast. Let's just talk about some of these things you've been saying. I just don't really fully agree with them. And if we could just kind of back off a little bit. No, no, she killed the prophets of God. Don't think, don't think that you're exempt from her fury, her anger. Don't think that you're exempt. Don't think that you're going to be overlooked. Don't think you can hide somewhere. You can't hide. You can only rise up. You can only rise up. You can only rise up. Agreement with this spirit will mean for sure death and destruction 
as you join with those who will be judged by God Almighty. 1 Kings 18. So when Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred and hidden them into two caves. The man of God hid them. 1 Kings 21. Sometime later, there was an incident involving a vineyard belonging to Naboth, the Jezreelite. The vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the palace of Ahab, the king of Samaria. And Ahab said to Naboth, let me have your vineyard to use for a vegetable garden. For since it's close to my palace, in exchange I will give you a better vineyard, or if you prefer, I will pay you whatever it's worth. But Naboth replied, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my ancestors. Seems reasonable. It's been passed down to me. This has been in my family for years. You can claim real estate all over, all over around this palace or nearby, but the Lord forbid that I would give you the inheritance of my ancestors. So Ahab went home, sullen and angry, because Naboth the Jezreelite had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my ancestors. How dare you not yield and not submit? How dare you? How dare you? But Ahab really didn't know what to do. Ahab really didn't have the answer. Ahab, Ahab was Ahabbing. But his wife Jezebel came in and asked him, what are, why are you so sullen? Why don't you eat? And he answered, because I said to Naboth the Jezreelite, sell me your vineyard, or if you prefer, I will give you another vineyard in its place. But he said, I will not give you your vineyard, my vineyard. Jezebel, his wife, said, is this how you act as king over Israel? Get up and eat and cheer up. I'll get you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. I'll get you. I'll get you. I will tell you this is what the enemy wants to do. This is the way Jezebel works. She will find a way. She will find a way to take out those who resist, even if by death. She will find a way. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name, placed a seal on them, sent them to the elders and the nobles who lived in Naboth's city with him. And in those letters she wrote, proclaim a day of fasting and seat Naboth in a prominent place among the people. But seat two scoundrels, two scoundrels opposite him and have them bring charges that he has cursed God and the king. Fake news. Fake news, fake news, fake news. I, I'm just saying God, 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 God invented this stuff before anybody else did. Hello. Jezebel is the spirit of accusation, of lying, of false information, of malignment, of perverting. This is this is her this is her her tactic, and 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 it was published, and the community must have believed it. It was published, and the community must have believed it. There was no protest if you read the rest of the passage, except with Elijah. No protest, but with Elijah. Elijah came, 
Thank God for the spirit of Elijah today. Thank God for a double portion of the spirit of Elijah today. We don't refuse the spirit of Elijah. We believe for a double portion of Elijah. It It goes on to say that Elijah came and he confronted Ahab. Well, thank the Lord for truth in our mouths. Thank the Lord for a confronting spirit of faith and a spirit of truth and a spirit of power, love, and self-control. We've not received a spirit of fear, church. We've not received a spirit of fear. We've not received a spirit of fear. We've not received a spirit of fear that we would compromise, that we would shut up, that we would lay down, that we would ignore. What if it's our neighbor? What if it's our neighbor that this comes to? Will we be there for our neighbor? Who was there for Naboth? When the report of him was false, he was lied about and then put to death. It goes on, this spirit, uh, this, this spirit ap- uh, appeared in the days of Jesus. You know that. Matthew 14, John the Baptist was the Elijah to come. You know how he lost his life. How did he lose his life? He lost his life. Because Herod, Herod, used to, Herod actually used to love to hear John preach. That's what the Word says. The Word says that Herod used to love to hear John preach and that John would preach about the law and it would provoke and ignite something with Herod except when he would talk about Herodias, his wife, and John would say it's unlawful for you to have her for she is the wife of Philip, your brother, unlawful, unlawful, unlawful. Do you know something? Jezebel hates the law. Jezebel hates the law. She is trying to erode and, and remove the laws of God from our culture. But the Bible says the laws of God are holy. The Bible says the laws of God are holy. Romans 4, Romans 5, Romans 6, Romans 7. All of these passages, Galatians 3 and 4, actually says that you, have, you need the law, that we begin in the law. Every one of us begin by the law. When you pop out of mom's womb, you better get under the law because the law shows you the filthiness of your sin. It shows you your, the uncleanness of your corrupt nature. It shows you the carnal n- nature and the separation you have from God. And Paul tells us through the Galatians that it is the schoolmaster that leads us to Christ. The law. The law is the schoolmaster that leads us to faith, that leads us to Christ. We need the law. We need the law. Herodias, Herod, they didn't like, they didn't like John the Baptist proclaiming the law. And so you know what happened on the birthday, Matthew 14, the daughter of Herodias dances a seductive dance for Herod. He says she can have anything she wants, up to half of the kingdom. And mom Jezebel says, ask for the head of Elijah. Oh, this was Satan's revenge. This was the day. Ask for the head of John the Baptist. 
This was, again, in that day, in that generation, the enemy showing up through this spirit, through this person, animating this person with evil to harm the people of God. Church, we're at war. We're at war. Are we going to rise up in the day of battle? She has a pathetic, prophetic mouth. She has teachings and seduction. Listen, church, let's review some of these. I hope you're seeing right now that her methodology is murder, fear, coercion, lies, deception, perversion, seduction. Hello? Are you seeing that? Listen to some of her lies. See, this is where we started to listen and tolerate Jezebel. And I'm going to blame, I'm going to lay some of this at the, at the feet of the church. Because we've done so little. When you attack Jezebel, she burns your city down. When you attack the church, we yawn and change channels. Evolution's one of the lies. There's no creator. You're here due to random biological chance. It's filled our schools. It's filled our government. It's filled our museums. It's filled our science journals. It's filled our universities. And what have we done about it? Have we even held a prayer meeting over it? Is it on the top of our prayer list? Do you realize that evolution is the beginning of this food chain of Jezebel's darkness? Because if you are here due to biological chance then abortion is nothing. Abortion is nothing. Seduction number two, abortion. Abortion is promoted by the lies of Jezebel. It's not a problem because those cells developing in the womb have no soul. They aren't some gift of God, as the Christians say. They're just a biological result of sexual expression. They don't become a human until they're born. What have we done? to shout from the housetops that we won't tolerate that lie. It's taught everywhere. It's espoused everywhere. We've sacrificed 60 million babies to it. Isn't it time we rise up? Isn't it time? Isn't it time that we go to war? Isn't it time? Isn't it time that we kind of shift? If Daniel in the Old Testament could pray three times a day, can I at least do that? When he was faced with war, when he was faced with the, the ruling spirit through Nebuchadnezzar to destroy the people of God, not just Jerusalem, not just the national presence, but the individual people of God, he prayed. I think God's inviting us in Isaiah 62 to wear him out. 
Give me no rest until I establish Jerusalem. Give me no rest until I establish my house and my city. Give me no rest until I establish Zion. Give me no rest until I build up the people of God. Give me no rest until they are brought back into their inheritance. Give me no rest. Give me no rest. Give me no rest. Are there any watchmen on the wall today? What are we watching? What are we watching? What are we watching? Isaiah 62 talks about watchmen on the wall. I have called my people to be watchmen on the wall, and we find ourselves as watchmen at amusement instead of watchmen on the wall. Gender identity is now another lie of Jezebel. The gender you're born with could be wrong. Why is that? Well, we go back to evolution. It could be the wrong gender for you. You decide your gender. Under her spell, parents are now opening the door for demons to speak to their children. Doctors are, doctors are filling young people with hormone blockers, performing surgeries. Schools have come under it. Governments come under the lie. Are we protesting? Are we protesting? What are we doing? Are we praying? Is it time to wake up yet, church? How dark does it have to get before you wake up? How dark does it have to get before you realize this is not a time for peace, peace, peace? As long as Jezebel is casting her spell upon our culture, our people, our nation, our land, this is not a time for peace. This is a time for war. Shake yourself out of your false peace. Shake yourself out of your false peace before we have no peace at all. Before we have no peace at all. Pornography, prostitution. Prostitution is the word in Revelation 2. We see this carries all the way back to not just that day, 1 Kings chapter 16 and those verses with Jezebel, the one that was for namesake Jezebel, but we see it going all the way back to Sodom and Gomorrah, Genesis. We see it going all the way back there. The spirit of death, the spirit of intimidation, the spirit of threat, the spirit of accusation, the spirit of nobody judge us, don't you dare judge us. The men of Sodom surrounded Lot's home, and they demanded to come in the home. And he opens the door, and he says, I'll give you my daughters, they're virgins. I'll give you my daughters, but don't touch these men that have come into my home. Shut up. They grabbed him and pulled him out. Who are you? Who's this foreigner that's come into our city? Have you come here to be our judge? Nobody will judge us. Quickly, the angels reached out and pulled him back in the house and struck every one of them with blindness. It's a spirit of the day. Don't judge. Don't judge. Don't judge. Nobody should judge. Don't judge. Don't judge. Are you kidding me? It's a false interpretation of the Bible. Church, God is the judge. You're going to judge the nations, believers. If you, don't, if you have no judgment, then you, don't, you can't discern anything. You're like a boneless chicken going somewhere to happen. I like that one. Pornography. Prostitution is just a normal expression in a healthy society. The seduction of Jezebel... To sexual idolatry is meant to dominate men and rob them of their strength, that they too become Ahabs. Subdued, strengthless, 
no longer warriors, under her seductive power, this is the desire. Women being used in pornography, prostitution, or by that spirit are under her spell using her witchcraft. Men flee from it, run from it, run from it, run from it, run from it. Oh, you don't just run from pornography, guys, because it's not the best for your relationship with your wife or it's unhealthy. You run from it. You oppose it. You resist it. You confront it because you are coming under her spell, and there's a bondage involved. There's a bondage involved that we must resist. We must resist. There's more lies. Marriage is old-fashioned. There's one. Come on. There's another one. That love should exist outside of truth. Oh, the church has gotten confused by that one. We've allowed Jezebel to come into the church. See, we've elevated love so high and lowered truth so low that we've actually separated the truth from the two from one another. That's how you end up tolerating Jezebel in your midst is because you don't want to tell the truth because that wouldn't be love. Who told you that? What spirit told you that? Because that's a lying spirit, that's a spirit of Jezebel, and it's one you better confront or you're going to shipwreck your own life and those that you're responsible for. It's a lying word. It's a lying word. You can't have real love without truth. They don't, they don't, they only coexist. They only coexist. They don't detach. If you won't tell me the truth, you don't really love me. That's the truth. That's the truth. I want us to pray this morning. I'm going to close. I want us to stand right now. I want to say to our online audience, thank you for being with us this morning. God is for you. His anointing is with you. I want you to look to him. I want you to trust him. I want you to turn to him with all of your heart. He's not going to let you down. We sang about it today. God is your strength and your refuge, your help in the time of need. God bless your church.